Chris Stoner is the owner of Baltimore Sports and Life. BSL is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. Other parts of BSL include the networking events Baltimore Metro Business Development, BMBD, the Business Development Group Paysetters, and the site Baltimore 2029, which aims to celebrate the best of Charm City as Baltimore nears its 300th anniversary. This show will be utilized for discussion on sports and Baltimore as a whole. Discuss the show at the BSL message board and check out the other BSL radio offerings. Welcome in. We're joined today by Clifton Brown, columnist for BaltimoreRavens.com. Clifton, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you? Doing well. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, so we've arrived at Dubai. The Ravens are 5-1, and one, leading the league in point differential, top five in most of the power rankings, uh, second overall in Football Outsiders DVOA ratings. Still remains a general feeling from, uh, from the fan base, maybe that the team is not uh, clicking on all cylinders, uh, and that maybe they've even yet to play particularly well. So where are you? Are you optimistic or pessimistic going forward? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe maybe framed a little better. Uh, if they haven't hit on all cylinders and they have still performed to this level, does that make you optimistic uh, going forward? Yeah, I mean, you kind of answered the question how I feel. Sure, they're 5-1 and one, not playing their best football. That's pretty good. Uh, I've only been 5-1 and one twice in franchise history, both times, 2000-2012, won the Super Bowl. So that's a good sign. And John Harbaugh's teams historically play better in December uh, than they do in September and October. So, yeah, the Ravens uh, definitely have work to do, uh, particularly, I think, on offense to be what they can be. And the AFC is very tough this year. When you look at the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Steelers, I think the AFC is better this year than it was last year, but the Ravens are one of those teams in the mix that can get to the Super Bowl. And so they just have to keep trying to get better. It's cliche but, you know, they've got the time and they've got the history that they're the type of team that can do that. So you talked about uh, improving the offense, and let's uh, look at the offensive line. Let's start with the tackles. Um, uh where, where do you feel Stanley and, and Brown, uh, their play has been so far this year? Well, Ronnie's missed the game due to injury, and you know, only he knows how he really feels. But, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that he's been 100% all year. And I, I think he's the best left tackle in football, so I expect him to play better uh, after the bye. Um, I, I think it, at his best, he's the best at that position, and at his best football this year is yet to come. Uh, Orlando Brown, another Pro Bowl player. Very solid. Uh, I think that, again, he's a guy who can play better than he has up to this point. Really, the whole unit has. We all know in Philly they had way too many penalties. Um, and I think collectively uh, they've had trouble building cohesion the way you want an offensive line to do. Tyree Phillips, you're asking him to do a lot as a rookie, taking Marshall Yonder's spot, Mascara, the center, coming off a season-ending injury. So – they're kind of in transition, and particularly without training camp, they haven't hit their, their peak yet. But I do think that they will play better as a unit going down the stretch, and I think that's going to help both their running game and passing game once they get back from the bye. 
Yeah, absolutely losing Yonder. We knew that was obviously going to impact the line, uh, even if he was not at his uh, top of his game as he retired. He was still at a Pro Bowl le level last year. So interior of the line, and you mentioned uh, Skur and Phillips, and of course you also have uh, Bozeman left guard, and then and others, uh, Powers, Fluker, and McCarry. What are your thoughts on the interior coming out of the bye? What, what do you think is the best lineup uh, going from a left guard to right guard there? Well, I think that, you know, Bozeman played really well last year, and I think that, you know, he's a guy that you know he can play quality football. also think that Phillips winning the job as a rookie is pretty impressive, even though, you know, he's had his ups and downs, as most rookies do, that he wasn't the favorite to win the job coming in. It really wasn't his primary position in college. So for him to win the right guard position right off the bat, to me, tells me the coaches think he has a lot of potential. And I think they also like to have Fluker as a guy who can play both tackle and guard. He has a lot of value as a backup. So if they have any kind of injury or if someone isn't playing as well, Fluker can immediately fill in at several spots. So I think they'd rather keep the lineup that they started the season with as, you know, going across the board with Ronnie and Orlando the bookends, uh, Skur in the middle, and then Bozeman and uh, the rookie Phillips on each side of, of Skur. But they'll play the best five. I mean, if you're going to make a change, this might be the time they do it. So it'll be interesting to see when they come back from the bye, do they go with this starting same starting five or do they go with a different group inside because I think whatever they go with from after the buy on is what they were going to want to go with the rest of the way. I think you make a great point about Fluker and him being that, um, you know, kind of swing tackle and security blanket uh, there. I, I've kind of wanted to see maybe him and his power and just being the veteran, their right guard. But I think you make a good, good point there. Um, on the ground, the Ravens are third overall in rushing yards per game, but They've really yet to bully teams on the ground. Uh, Jackson and Ingram are tied with 50 attempts. Edwards has 48. Dobbins has 25. Ingram and Edwards both averaging four and a half yards per carry. But only uh, each of them only have two games with 10 or more carries. Uh, coming out of the bye, do you think uh, Dobbins is ready to carry a larger load? And do, do you expect him to kind of be more of a focal point going forward? I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the opportunity considering that, you know, Mark Ingram suffered the ankle injury in Philly. And even though Coach Harbaugh said he might play or thinks he'll play against the Steelers, you know, at what percentage will he be if he does play? And, you know, they really like Dobbins coming out of college. A lot of people did. That's the reason why they made him a second round pick when they already had depth at running back. Gus Edwards is a heck of a runner too. So, yeah, I think that this could be Dobbins opportunity to get more reps than he has. But more importantly, I just think it's, they really need to have a little more consistency running the football. Uh, Lamar teams are really, really trying to take Lamar out of the game as a runner, even more so than last year. And we saw him, he's so explosive, the run he had in Philly. There's no sure way to stop Lamar, but consistently he hasn't been the same runner that he was last year. And I think that, for the Ravens to be at their best, they wanted to hit on some shots, taking some shots downfield when they're loading the box against the Ravens. They want to run the football a little more consistently so they can get more into play action and stuff like that. So the running game, it starts with the offensive line, but they have the backs to get it done. And so if they get 
a little improvement on the offensive line. I think the running back running game will take off. But it, again, it could be this could be Dobbins time to kind of maybe be the lead back if Mark's not 100 percent. Let's look at the receivers before we get to the tight ends, uh, starting with the second year receivers, Hollywood Brown. He's played in all six games. He's on pace for a thousand yard season. Just one game of 100 yards uh, plus and just one TD. Uh, Boykin had a, has 11 catches versus uh, the 13 he had all of last year, but he's yet to become any type of real factor. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two second-year receivers and where they are in their, their progression? Well, yeah, I mean, Boykin hasn't made the jump yet that a lot of people thought he would in his second year. That's for sure. Uh, Marquise Brown, as you mentioned, the fact that he's been able to stay healthy and practice I think it's definitely led to him becoming a better player. Uh, he could have more yards. He's been open on a couple of deep balls that Lamar overthrew him on. Um, so Marquise, I think, is going to be fine in the second half, still their lead guy. I would look, wouldn't be surprised if you saw more catches or more opportunities for Devin DuVernay. His, his snaps have gone up every week this season. Uh, to me, he looks like he's, he's ready for a bigger load if they decide to go that way. I also think Willie Sneed could be really valuable to get more in the mix as a possession guy. I mean, Willie, when he's targeted, usually comes through with the catch. We all know he'll he's has no fear running any route, and Willie's a good blocker. So I think they're just a tad off uh, with the passing game. I think they have the weapons to be better there, but I would definitely think I think Duvernay is going to get a little more of a, more of a look after the bye. And again, I I, I love you know when they throw to Willie Sneed. I think I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I said the same thing today on our board. I mean, DuVernay certainly looked promising, and I'm looking to see him more involved instead of just uh, just a gadget play, just uh, getting him out there. Snead, I feel the same thing. I mean, he's, he's productive when he gets the opportunity, but my thought is if you're not going to utilize the experience there uh, for whatever reason, then I'd like to see Prochet get him more, uh, uh, you know, and get, get him on the board as we go forward. But... Uh, going to the tight ends, Andrew, he had uh, five games in 19 with at least 75 yards. 58 is the high so far here in 20. He does have five touchdowns. Obviously, Jackson is king on uh, Andrews and, and Brown a lot. Um, I think the loss of Hayden Hurst was kind of never really addressed, and I think that's uh, had some impact to the offense. Obviously, Boyle more of the inline blocker in last year for me. Andrews was the playmaker, but Hurst, I thought, had the best hands of the of the tight ends. Um, how do you know what what's the what's the feeling with the Ravens? Do they feel they need to uh, if they're going to add and they're looking looking at their roster as a whole? Do you think tight ends a spot they might look to upgrade in the in the next few weeks with a with another option there? It's a possibility. Could be tight end. Could be wide receiver. Uh, could be interior offensive line. Or it could be something you don't expect. It could be pass rusher. But, you know, I mean, all, it always depends on what's available and at what price. Uh, the tight end room, definitely, it's it's a man shorter than it was last year. I mean, Andrews, Boyle, and Hurst were the three-headed monster, all effective. Now it's down to two, you know. And they, I do think that's an element of their offense, particularly the way Greg Roman loves to use tight ends, that, you know, it is a little – missing piece from last year. But, you know, I love Mark Andrews as a player. Uh, Nick Boyle, to me, has gotten better every year. I think they have enough at tight end. But, again, I think it would just – it's a situation with the Ravens where 
if they're going to key on Mark Andrews and take him out of your offense, you have to make sure you have enough, enough options through the air to still be effective. So uh, Andrews is not going to draw any less attention after the bye than he drew before the bye. He's still going to get his plays, yeah. but the Ravens got to counter. They have to come up with a way to effectively counter. One of the things I talked with uh, your colleague, John uh, Eisenberg, before the season was the idea of uh, Ricard being used as the kind of a, uh, the H-back. Uh, 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 and I, I thought maybe he would get uh, a few more snaps in the in the passing game. Haven't really seen that. Do you think that's uh, you might see more of that going forward? You could, but I think really where he could have a bigger impact it would be as a blocker. Uh, you know, I remember some plays from last season where, they had three tight ends plus Ricard just going completely jumbo and just overpowering teams. Uh, I think that, again, to get the running game going, maybe you start seeing the Ravens overload a little more, use Ricard more as a yeah. blocker. I mean, he he's a devastating blocker. Guys see him coming. Sometimes they hit the deck before he even gets there. They don't want any part of Ricard as a blocker. And they had, I think that is the Ravens' bread and butter still. The running game. Uh, they're so they're such a much better team when they're facing second and five, second and six, than they are, you know, second eight, second and nine. You say that about all teams. But I think the Ravens are just built offensively to be a team that stays ahead of the chains and really stays ahead on the scoreboard. That's when they're at their best. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Clifton. The idea of winning on first down, right, and really committing to the run game. So uh, getting Ricard on the field more. This is another blocker potentially to go to that larger uh, uh, jumbo package, bring in, uh, uh, you know, another lineman as well. That could also make uh, sense. Uh, the offense as a whole, seventh overall in points per game. Despite that, they're just 17th in third down conversion. And really, to your point, seems they're not winning enough on uh, on first down. Uh, to me, the, the offense, and maybe one of the, the things I think we've all seen is the Ravens have lacked a real identity this year. And really, to your last point, um, Last year, it felt like they had a prolonged drive or two every game. They were willing, kind of desired to run the ball down the throat of their opponents. Uh, do you think, come out of the bye, do you think they'll maybe recommit to that kind of uh, mentality and be running the ball 30-plus uh, times a game, or do you not see that uh, with this mix? I think you could still see it. I mean, usually running games are more effective as the season goes on. Defense is getting a little more tired. Uh, tackling gets a little worse. Also, yeah, I, I just feel that, again, that's the Ravens' identity. They were able to dominate teams uh, with that running attack last year. We haven't seen them, that type of dominance. Again, I think when you talk about their scoring, they are scoring enough points, but some of that's been set up by the defense. I mean, defense has 11 takeaways. They've had some short fields to work with offensively. Um, that has helped the offense. The Ravens had five three-and-outs against Philly, over the week. That's the most three and outs they've had since Lamar became the starting quarterback. So they've been hot and cold offensively. They've had spurts. Week one, they looked terrific against Cleveland. And they, since then, they've had spurts of games where they've looked good. But for 60 minutes, they're having trouble establishing those long drives you talked about and staying on the field. So, yeah, I, I think that they do want to be a team that gets more ahead of the chains on first down, kind of get back to basics and then make big plays off of that. Last uh, offensive question before we move to the defense, and obviously it's uh, got to talk about Jackson. 
He's not putting up the video game numbers, but by ESPN's QBR metric, he's the ninth ranked QB overall. Um, you know, the Ravens, I think we all know, they're going to go as far as really Jackson takes them. Uh, against the Eagles, he showed that straight line explosion. Might have been missing from some of the games uh, this year, but this doesn't look quite right going the side to side. There's been a lot of speculation that the groin injury he had in August might have still been bothering him. Uh, is is that fair, or do you think he, he has been healthy? <laughs> well, I mean, on that run, I know it wasn't side to side, but, I mean, if there's anything seriously wrong with him, it didn't look like it on that. I think that was a good sign, you know, for his groin, for his knee, that I don't think he's tweaked that much uh, to be able to run the ball in there like that. And then, of course, now he's going to get, you know, some time off, which would definitely help treat whatever might be ailing him. But, you know, Lamar, the bar was set so high for him last year. He he was way, way to me ahead of schedule being the MVP of the league at 23 last year. Uh, he's such a talented player. Um, I'm not worried about, you know, his throwing accuracy or his fundamentals breaking down or any of some of the things I've heard recently. I still think he's a guy who, you know, is, is a playmaker who can explode at any time. I do think he has been a little frustrated this year. Uh, but like this entire team, particularly on offenses, that's where they've had the most, to me, ups and downs. They've got to forget about last year and just work on trying to get better each week. Uh, you don't have to be playing your best football right now, and you can always be looking to improve, and you really want to hit your peak, you know, in December and January. It's not exact science to do that. And it's not like they're holding back trying not to play their best now, but I do feel that they need to just keep the big picture in mind, win games. Because, again, the AFC, to me, is tougher than last year. All these wins they're getting, whether they're pretty or ugly, are important because, you know, I, I can't see the Ravens not making the playoffs, but certainly, you know, whether they're going to be a one seed or a four seed or even maybe even lower, there's no guarantees. So every win is important. And this next four games after the bye, to me, that's the toughest stretch of the season. We're going to find out a lot about the Ravens, uh, you know, when they play Pittsburgh twice, Tennessee and New England, as soon as they come back from the bye. Moving over to the defensive side, the Ravens are allowing a league low 17.3 points per game. Defense fifth overall and third down conversion. Let's talk about two of the main additions. Uh, Clayus Campbell coming off the three-sack game in Philadelphia. Clear the 34-year-old still is, still is playing in the tank. And first-round pick Patrick Queen was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week after the win versus Cincinnati. Um, you know, what you're seeing with him, I think, week to week is that uh, as you know, as he learns and he's uh, thinking less and can react more, that that he has all of the uh, physical capabilities. Give me your thoughts on those two. Yeah, I mean, well, Campbell to me, you're talking about you know, guy who's you know Hall of Fame consideration for sure already, and yeah, it was nice to see him dominate a game. Uh, I think everybody knew that he had plenty left in the tank and he was going to help the Ravens this year, but in a game where they didn't have Derek Wolf or Brandon Williams, for him to dominate like that uh, was really, to me, an impressive thing. And then Queen, you know, I mean, this guy had no no uh, preseason, you know, to shorten training camp as a rookie to step in an inside linebacker. The way he's playing, like he's been there, you know, three or four years is extremely impressive. We all knew he was quick. Uh, I think his pass coverage has been better 
than people expected other than the Kansas City game. He's looked really good there. Uh, he's everything that people said he was, sideline and sideline. Great tackler. You know, think about the goal line tackle he had in Washington. Yeah, he just looks like an NFL player uh, that he should have, that he, nothing is too big for him, as they say. And yeah, Queen, the Ravens have had some great inside linebackers. I think he's going to, he's the next one in line. Uh, you know, love Marcus Peters, his playmaking ability. Love Humphrey, same uh, exceptional duo with the corners there. Obviously, you've lost Tavon Young, uh, another season-ending injury. That hurts with his ability in the slot. Uh, Anthony Averitt's going to miss some time. Uh, talk about the safeties with Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott. I, th- I feel like uh, they've both been solid, particularly, uh, particularly pleased with Elliott's play this year. What have you seen there? Yeah, I mean – Deshaun Elliott loves getting the opportunity to start for the first time, but it's a big responsibility to step in as a starter on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. But, you know, he's he's a very confident guy and a very talented guy, and he plays that way. Uh, you know, it was great, you know, to see the in Philly forcing two fumbles. Deshaun was a playmaker in college, so he's another guy now that he's in the lineup. The Ravens, you know, talk about them forcing 11 turnovers. He's another guy who gives him that type of capability to take the ball away. And then Chuck Clark is just Mr. Steady. I mean, he's so respected by his teammates, calls the defensive signals, never seems to be in the wrong spot, definitely willing to hit guys. Um, yeah, I think they're a really good duel to both of them. They they kind of came in in back-to-back years. They're close off the field. They communicate well on the field. So yeah, to have a pair of young safeties like that, I mean, they're a duel that, that, you know, Clark and Elliott could be playing together for a long time here in Baltimore. Another couple of young guys. Uh, Bowser seems to have uh, made some progression year to year, and I think Ferguson in his second year seems more comfortable setting the edge and just, you know, maybe more comfortable overall. Obviously, you're looking to see him get some uh, pass rush uh, uh, going on some uh, consistent level. Uh Thoughts on that on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, Bowser, I think the light came on for him last year. Uh, last year was kind of a make-or-break year for him, and he made it happen, you know, with five sacks. And then he came back this year knowing he's a player, and he, he just looks like that. I mean, it, he's he's shown up around the quarterback a lot. And then, yeah, um, you know, there are other – who else would you guys remember? I'm sorry. Yeah, Jalen Ferguson there just uh, right. looks a little better on the edge. And- he does. Jalen, yeah, he doesn't want to just be a – you know, he came up with the nickname Sack Daddy, and obviously he wants to be a pass rusher, but he doesn't want to be a one-dimensional guy. He knows that Ravens, linebackers on the edge, the first priority is to stop the run. And he has the body for it, uh, you know, a big guy who you can't push around, and he's embraced it. So, yeah, I mean, the way the Ravens play defense, they don't have to depend on one guy to get sacks. Uh, there's so many guys blitzing, sometimes a lot – the defensive linemen are dropping in the pass cover. Sometimes the corners and safeties are blitzing. It's not like when you're Jalen Ferguson, well, if I don't get get 10 sacks, I'm not helping my team. So he's done what they've asked him to do, and he's doing it better and better uh, seemingly every week. Yeah, to your point with the pass rush there, they are tied for second overall in uh, sacks. Uh, you know, they don't have that dominating front four where they can just get a pass, a pass rush uh, – from them without scheming, but they do find ways to get to the quarterback. So uh, against most teams there, 
Two other guys that could help with the pass rush we haven't seen it so far would be obviously Matthew Judon. He's got the two sacks, both coming versus Washington. You know, you're not expecting him to really be elite, but you do need him to be a consistent factor. And then uh, the rookie, uh, Malik Harrison, um, you know, thoughts were coming into the year. Maybe he could be a uh, help on third down. What will... Um, what can help unlock Judon the rest of the way, and what can help get Harrison on the field more often? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with matchups. I think that, you know, in situations where they feel Judon, you know, has a clear advantage and can help them the most rushing, you'll see his sack production go up. He's been around. The quarterback some has some chances for sacks, uh, but I think that you'll start to see those numbers go up in the second half with him. He's, he's playing very well, I think, Judon. He just hasn't gotten – gotten the sack numbers. I do think, yeah, like moving moving forward, their pass rush, it will be interesting to see if they continue to blitz so much, particularly when they're facing a guy like a Roethlisberger who's seen, you know, everything you can show a quarterback. Um, I think those are the uh, matchups when you start going with Roethlisberger or Mahomes where, you know, it's hard to fool those guys. And that makes it a little bit harder to just, you know, unleash the door and throw everything at it because they'll, they'll make you pay if they can figure out what you're trying to do. But overall, the Ravens haven't had issues as far as putting pressure on the quarterback. And usually when you can do that, it's a good thing. So one of the things you mentioned earlier, which I really, uh, really agree with Clifton, is the idea of uh, uh, you don't have to be your best here October 21st. You know, you're trying to peak uh, later and trying to improve week to week, month to month. So you got to come out of the bye, you got five games in November, and as you mentioned, the AFC uh, is improved. Uh, Steelers are 5-0 and going into their game this, this weekend. you got two games of them in November. you got the Titans who uh, knocked you out of the playoffs, and they're 5-0, and uh, you've got the uh, Colts in New England, so uh, also you know conference games as well. So what, what are you looking to see from the Ravens accomplish uh, over November, kind of just uh, a bigger picture-wise? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, always starts with protecting your house. I mean, they they did suffer the one home loss to Kansas City. You know, I think if you're the Ravens, you're thinking, hey, nobody else is coming in here and beating us in Baltimore. Uh, And then they've been a team that travels really well here the last couple of years. So I think the Ravens, each week, they really are a team that knows they have a shot to win uh, no matter who they're playing or where. I think the two games with Pittsburgh obviously are huge because, you know, unlike last year, AFC North's not going to be a runaway. So, you know, if you could somehow sweep the Steelers, then I think that the Ravens be clear favorites to win the division. If the Steelers swept them, obviously that'd make the Steelers a clear favorite. If they split, you know, it might come down to the wire. I think who the, after these next four Ravens games, if the Ravens are somehow ahead of the Steelers after Thanksgiving when they play in Pittsburgh, I think the Ravens will be tough to catch. But, you know, if they're even or behind the Steelers after that Thanksgiving game, then, you know, you got to wonder, will they be able to win the division for the third straight year or will they come in second? And obviously winning the division is priority number one in the regular season, then finishing with the best record in AFC after that. So, yeah, these, these games with the Steelers head-to-head this year are going to be huge because I don't think the Steelers are going anywhere either. Their defense is very impressive as well. 
At BaltimoreRavens.com, you have the pod Black in the NFL. And the second episode went up today. Uh, tell us about that and uh, what you're trying to accomplish in, in kind of the first two episodes and set it up uh, going forward. Yeah, well, the episode that went up today at Black in the NFL is called To Kneel or Not to Kneel and talking to players about either why they do or don't kneel. So talk to Calais Campbell and Matthew Judon about the game, 2017 game in London after Trump called out players who were kneeling. Uh, Calais was playing for Jacksonville at that time, but they were playing for Ravens, playing the Ravens in London. So Judon knelt on one sideline, Calais knelt on the other. They they talked about their emotions leading that game and comparing the whole aspect of kneeling then in 2017 to where the atmosphere is now in 2020. Then I talked to Ben Watson, who used to play for the Ravens, he's never knelt. Uh, he talks about why he hasn't. And then I spoke with Steve Weiss of NFL Network, who was the first reporter to talk to Colin Kaepernick when he began his protest about why he's doing it. So I'm trying to bring in different perspectives on issues. We all know racism, social injustice has been a huge topic here in 2020. Players, I've never had more conversations with players this year or I should say people in general about race and social injustice than I have this year. So the climate, I want to create a climate where people can listen, even if you don't agree with the guests or my thoughts on the issue to listen. And I always think that, you know, we need more unity. There's not enough listening in this country right now. I think we need to have more candid conversations. I think that'll lead to more understanding. So hopefully that's what this podcast can accomplish while entertaining people who listen to it. Well, that's a great initiative there, Clifton, particularly in, in your point there about listening and having and being able to have different perspectives, but allow people to, uh, to listen. And you're part of an organization there, the Ravens, they've taken a strong stand against uh, systemic racism and just overall, you know, they've made clear where, where their thoughts are. And um, I would imagine that, uh, being part of that organization is, uh, it, I don't know how to particularly word this, but it's got to be personally rewarding for you to be part of an organization that uh, is willing to take a stand a stand like that and, and wants to uh, wants to do right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, the Ravens, ever since they came to Baltimore, I believe they've really, you know, cared about the community, wanted to make a difference. And uh, these type of things are what's going on now. And, you know, one of the things I've always loved about sports is that, you know, it brings people from different backgrounds together. And you to have success, particularly in team sports, you have to work with the people you're playing with. Uh, you might be totally different than the guy you're lining up next to, but on the field you realize that you have to trust each other. Well, you know, society is like that in a lot of ways. And, again, I think we've – gotten away from that in not a good way uh, recently. We just label people this or that. Uh, if you don't agree with somebody, you try and shout them down rather than, you know, listen to an, another viewpoint. So, again, players right now definitely have a lot to say. Uh, I think the days of the first episode was called Shut Up and Play, which is what athletes hear a lot about what they should do. I think those days are over. Uh Athletes now, I think, are totally, for the most part, feeling that they don't they don't need to shut up and play. They need to 
play and speak up. So this podcast gives them and other guests, uh, it's not just athletes, you know, we're talking to people who work for the league, sociologists, reporters, uh, it's bringing a lot of voices to the table to talk about things I think need to be discussed. Well, I hope people will give a listen to that. I guess just kind of lastly, you've talked to a lot of players and what they're going through directly this year, obviously with COVID, obviously with uh, uh, social injustice and you know a lot on their minds. But how about you uh, on a personal level you know, and what, what you've been going through, uh, you know, covering a team, covering players and, and uh, being, you know, it's a different year for everybody. How's Clifton Brown doing? <laughs> well, fortunately, I've been healthy and my family, knock on wood. I mean, the job's been a lot different this year. I mean, I have an office at the facility on Owings Mills. I'm rarely there. Uh, I was there a little bit during training camp, but the building itself is so much different. There are places you can't go that are restricted. Obviously, they keep me and a whole most of the people who work there away from the players and coaches trying to keep everyone healthy. You know, we're doing everything. My life has turned into a virtual Zoom meeting one after the other. Look, we're doing this interview. You know, it's 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 the world we're all living in. So it's been a big adjustment. Obviously, no fans. Uh, you know, I feel for fans of all sports, the atmosphere is just not the same. It's an irreplaceable energy that fans bring. So, yeah, I mean, to me, this is, this is a time to be appreciative of what you have. And you have to be flexible. I mean, you can let some of these things drive you crazy if you would wish. But I think it's a lesson that, you know, dealing with adversity is an important, important characteristic to have. So, yeah, I'm not complaining about, you know, the things that have been different for me. But, yeah, trust me, 2020 is a year. I said this months ago, none of us are ever going to forget. Yeah, it's a year. It feels like a decade, and uh, it's not going to be. Uh, <laughs> it's one year you will certainly remember. Clifton, I appreciate your time. Uh, I always enjoy your perspectives, uh, and thanks for everything you add to BaltimoreRavens.com uh, and really the community as a whole. So my thanks there, man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. I really enjoy talking to you. Take care. Thank you.